and welcome to episode 65 of the Alfa Romeo Driver Podcast, brought to you by the Alfa Romeo Owners Club. I'm Guy Swarbrick, and with me this afternoon, I have club chairman and East Midlands section secretary, John Griffiths, Alpha Female Supremo, GT Registrar, and Thames Valley Section Secretary, Kirsty Hodson, and Management Team Member and Mito Registrar, David Faithful. Good afternoon, everyone. Good afternoon. So we've got a lot to talk about. It's been a, a long time since we've done a roundtable. It's the end of July, I think, just before National Alpha Day. So events is probably a, a good place to start because we've had a pretty busy summer, haven't we, David? Yeah, well, we started with Southwest Alpha Day down in Dorset. We went up to Scottish Italian Car Day in Edinburgh. And then, of course, ended up with National Alpha Day at Vista. But I mean, so we'll come back to National Alpha Day, but we've since done Southern Alpha Day, Northern Alpha Day, and we're in the middle of of uh, planning the days for Mick Carr and the NEC. So yeah, really very active summer. That's that's an understatement, to be honest. And I don't think I've ever driven so far to A-Rock events over a summer and still managed to miss out on uh, on National Alpha Day. I, I managed to do Southwest Alpha Day and Scottish Italian Car Day in a week, um, and then up to Northern Alpha Day last weekend. So uh, lots of miles on the Alphas, which is good. Absolutely. I mean, we, we, we probably need to talk about National Alpha Day uh, being such a, an absolutely gigantic event and success. Uh, the heck of a lot of planning had gone into it, but for us to be rewarded with some glorious weather and around 2,000 people along, just absolutely phenomenal. And a lot of effort went into to making it the success it was. But looking at the lighter side of it all, it's the first event in ages I've been to where we've had the awards about three o'clock-ish and it's carried on. <laughs> People haven't cleared off. The band carried on playing. The sun was shining. Everybody was, uh, was making merry, effectively <laughs> enjoying the cars right through till getting on past five o'clock. It was just terrific. And we had a lot of people, well, I, I made a point of trying to speak to people who brought children up to families and so on. And the feedback about just small things like having the go-karts, free face painting, having a land train so that the little kids didn't have to walk, you know, 10 miles to get around and see everything. Suddenly the kids were more into seeing all the cars because it was on the back of a land train as opposed to walking a hundred miles. So there was yeah. a lot of, a lot of things that we, we tried to do that we thought might work for families and youngsters. And, and the feedback was, yeah, it really did work. So I think there's some really good lessons from, from what, from what we, we sort of gambled on for some aspects of the, of the, of the program. We've, uh, we've certainly learned from that and, and we'll take some of those ideas forward for sure. And there was a lot of social media buzz. I, I was tucked up on the sofa with a, a Lemsip tablets and a, and a fleece blanket, but just watching the, the number of, photo and video posts during the day about what a good time people were having was uh, was really good. Well, we paid everyone to do that just to annoy you, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, one thing that was uh, that was a particular success, uh, although incredibly challenging for us organisers and marshals on the day, was the, the track element at Vista Heritage. And uh, it went from an idea of, oh, let's have a couple of groups of parades to one heck of a lot of, of, a lot of cars enjoying the, the circuit. Uh, for some, it was the first time they've ever driven and Alfa Romeo on a track too, although it was designed as a parade. But we, we, we may have to remind that Stelvio driver who was uh, practicing <laughs> his race mode about that bit of it being a parade. But, but that was that was just tremendous. And uh, but yeah, what an effort to make it happen. We, we've certainly learned a lot from that as well, haven't we, David? Yeah, and I think look, it, not everything went swimmingly on the day. Almost all 
visitors won't have spotted where something went pear-shaped and that's kind of a, a good result but you know some you know the sign-on process turned into a nightmare and there was a bit of queuing and things I mean generally people were still delighted still delighted to get on the track and and love the day I just think there's a lot of moving parts isn't there and yeah. um, on the one hand, we we knew about them. On the other hand, we didn't realise how overwhelming some of that might be on the day. So yeah, we need more people. We need slicker processes and so on. But it's it's nothing we absolutely can't overcome for the next time. No, but I mean, just just look looking back to it, seeing thirty plus four C's together orbiting the track was tremendous. I mean, how how often have you, anybody? Well, has anybody seen that? Yeah. The, uh, the just just seeing anything really. The Alpha Championship race cars going round and making a lovely racket was great fun and then certainly the alpha suds they were just sensational i mean 63 yeah. alpha suds together Incredible. in one space i mean i've been to almost every national alpha day since 1985 and even back in the 80s i don't think there were 60 collected together at um, stanford hall down the road from me just amazing that was so enjoyable and, uh, and just the background as you say the italian band there just added a super atmosphere and then doing kind of 20 minute sets just flowed throughout i felt there's an awful lot we can pick up and adapt for next year. Let's not forget, it was the first time probably 80% of visitors had ever seen a Tenale, and we had three, and they were on the track, and we were giving test drives. So the the Alpha test drive guys, they were just constantly in and out of out of the site giving test drives to you know yeah. prospective customers so i mean that was uh, it was a big win for us to have three tonali there but it was you know alpha said to us afterwards didn't they that that was an incredible mm. event because it was really you know they felt part of it the cars felt part of it people felt they could just walk up and speak to alpha Air uk and try the new tonali that was a really um, positive experience for people i think definitely was and and there were plenty of displays all over the place and uh, and, and a really good one of course was the launch of the the Al- that the alpha female group of A-Rock, which Kirsty was absolutely part of. Yes, that was really good. We had a little stand and we had lots of ladies came in parked with us and we had so many visitors to our stand who didn't know that it existed. So this was yeah. the first main launch of it. I think next year we do need to be in a slightly more prominent position, maybe a by the, the main tent. But nevertheless, we did have a lot of visitors. We gave out mm. a lot of leaflets that advertised our Facebook group, which is now nearly 200 members strong. And a lot Brilliant. of that is, is off the back of, of NAD. Yeah. And we gave away a lot of car stickers and we gave away a lot of teddy bears. Not just to little <laughs> girls, but to, to bigger girls too. We seem to be even more keen on them than the little girls, to be quite honest. So, well, that's our audience. <laughs> and there was one really nice thing that happened. A lady wanted over to talk to me and she was going on a European trip and she was going to take an alpha male bear with her so i talked her into taking an alpha female teddy bear with her mm-hmm. um and that bear's called aria and it, it's taken on an entire facebook page on its own now it's off um and it's traveling around so yeah the, the first the first owner of aria first caretaker took her from up gateshead way down to, to Kent, through into France, down to the south of France, over to Florence, through Switzerland, through all the tunnels, had a lovely tunnel run, back to the UK, and then was handed over to a new caretaker at Northern Lofty. So, so new adventures. That's it's quite fun. And so has the bear got its own Instagram account, or is it, how can people follow where the bear is and what it's doing? The bear has its own Facebook page, group, and all the updates are being posted on the Alpha Female group. For those of us who don't qualify for the Alpha Female group, for, for obvious reasons, um, <laughs> it's a separate, it's a separate alpha, aria bear page okay we'll, we'll put a link in the um, 
in the notes to the podcast as well for people who want to follow that. Awesome. Well, that was good fun. And and as you say, made an appearance at Northern Alpha Day, which returned this year after a, a kind of a practice event last year as a, a Yorkshire Alpha Day at the Yorkshire Wildlife Park. And this year we were at Lotherton Hall in uh, just outside Leeds. Uh, some amazing cars there, amazing variety of cars. Um, but I think a first for me in 20 plus years of attending A Rock events is the first time I've ever seen a dealer turn up with a uh, a full size car trans car delivery transporter almost full of cars yeah with another two tonales a, a stelvio quadrifoglio and a and a julia made quite an impressive entrance certainly did and arnold clark did us proud there with the sponsorship of the event and uh, david slocum the, the the senior sales guy there spent all day uh, chatting to people a great sea right hand drive tonales as well in in just the straightforward veloci spec which uh, with the alcantara trim and a, a fantastic 19 inch diamond cut alloys really looked the best to me and uh, there was a lot of interest around that and I agree with you on the event as a whole the uh, Nicholas Williamson the section secretary there and uh, and his Yorkshire team did a did a super super job of the whole day really most of this year at events I've been running around wearing the high vis and doing a million jobs it was great to actually this time just really enjoy the day and go and chat to people and that was that was my main job apart from presenting the odd prize at the end of it uh, and it, it was it was really really enjoyable and it was what 100, 160 cars or so yeah. and the, yeah. the thing that surprised me was there were there was a huge variety of cars so there weren't many examples mm. of anything probably more examples of things like current julia than anything else yeah but there was two or three of almost everything yeah yeah and they were scattered so you had the joy of walking up and down the rows and and coming across different jewels as you went you know all, all kinds of things and just odd rarities like uh, the alpha 90 that appeared late on at the show that was good fun the 2600 spider that came second that in the, that was an absolute beauty when a lot of people will never have seen I, I could go on and list, list dozens but uh, we'll, I'm sure we'll have a feature in uh, I think it's going to be the December magazine isn't it it uh, is yeah. yeah yeah but no, the team up there did it. The team up there did it. Did a really excellent job, I must say. And they're already getting excited about next year. So we'll see. We'll see where Northern Alpha Day ends up. Yeah, but it's nice. It's nice to see that back on the calendar and and events all the way from the Devon, Dorset, Somerset border for uh, Southwest Alpha Day all the way up to to South Queensbury for Scottish Italian Car Day. It's very much the the full length of the country and. Not very many gaps in between either is by the time you add no. in Northern Alpha Day. Yeah, and we're next going to be filling in the Midlands with the, the much-delayed Midlands Italian Car Day, or MITCAR as it's known, that I've been involved with for since 2001, actually, with uh, Brian Alexander, a dear friend of mine that um, sadly passed away in 2019. But he had the idea of us using uh, Kettleston Hall for a, a kind of country park afternoon, a straightforward car display, a relaxing day. And we're going to do that again this year at Kettleston. Hall. So this is going to be in its 21st year and uh, the 20th edition as we couldn't hold one in 2020 thanks to COVID unfortunately. But we're, we're going back to the countryside. We had to postpone it originally from June into September and then Her Majesty passing away uh, meant the, that we just couldn't run it with the National Trust on the, on the planned weekend in September but we, uh, we moved it to the 9th of October so it, it could be a really nice late season event. I keep having an eye on the weather forecast 
but lots of crossed fingers. Uh, we, we were pleased to see actually that we'd sold over 250 tickets. And with the beauty of online ticket selling, we can send an email to people instantly to let them know of changes. And uh, we only lost half a dozen that were unable to make the new date of the 9th. So that all works really, really well. So we're all geared up for that. We were certainly lucky with the weather at Northern Alpha, Northern Alpha Day on the on the 25th of September, which is already late for an event. It was a, a mostly yeah. sunny day, uh, but I would mm. recommend uh, probably a coat and a jumper for Mick. Yeah, d- definitely come October. Get, get, bring it all with you. Alpha <laughs> and, branded, obviously. Yeah. Alpha branded, yes. yeah. Owners Alpha Club hoodie. Yeah. And, and Nick, Nick will bring a stock of umbrellas that you won't need. Yeah. But- <laughs> But just in case, I was surprised at how many people were buying alpha female baseball caps. Uh, no, there was a lot, and the and young girls as well. So as I walked around later in the day, the the number of young girls and women <laughs> carrying a female teddy, an alpha female teddy, and <laughs> yeah. wearing a baseball cap was quite phenomenal. Actually, it was almost every female I saw. <laughs> yeah, which is a lot great. of men are buying them too. The hats yeah. because they, it was so hot. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's good. That's a good business idea, though, isn't it? <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> Just before we leave National Alpha Day entirely, we put a we put a short survey out afterwards, and mm-hmm. uh, I just wanted to. Well, look, there's a couple of key takeouts. Hundreds of people filled out the survey. We're enormously grateful for that because we we asked a number of questions, which was free text. We've we've gathered hundreds of bits of feedback, good and bad, and we absolutely are going to take all of those on board and learn from them. But look, there's a couple of nerdy stats which I did want to just tease out, which was 86% of everyone who who responded said it was really good value for money. And incredibly, 89.9% uh, felt satisfied or really satisfied with the club for National Alpha Day. So, I mean, they're brilliant stats. I've run some, you know, work type events and other events in the past, and it's you're lucky to get 60, 65% of satisfaction. So these are really good stats. But to be clear to everyone who responded, we are enormously grateful. There's hundreds of, of bits of feedback we are going through every single one and we'll take everything every comment that anybody has on board and we will try and get better um but yeah, yeah. so look brilliant feedback uh, i thought the 86 percent thought it was great value for money i thought that was a, a real stonker really because we it, it, because we'd planned so many things it's a it's an awkward balance being a not-for-profit that we're not trying to make money out of the event but we don't want to lose money on the event either so yeah. You know, it is difficult working things out so that we break even and the ticket price is healthy for people and particularly for people with families. So, yeah, I was pleased with that. But look, there's a lot of learnings from it, a lot of really, really brilliant feedback from people who completed the survey. And uh, that is on our to-do list. Yeah, absolutely. And we're already beginning to design next year's events. It's going to keep a track feature. We're looking at some additional things. We'll be moving things around so it feels fresh and we get the right things in the right place. For example, Kirsty's alpha female area and we'll just keep it all fresh basically and we're also going to do our best to ensure that our volunteers are not overstretched in areas where we know some of them were this time and there's some really simple things in there you know people loved that we put hundreds of deck chairs out but there wasn't enough shade and that's a simple thing to fix you know yeah. they loved that we put on facilities food and drinks but then you started running out of water middle of the afternoon or after lunch so yeah, there's some really simple things we can address that we thought we'd covered didn't quite cover but we absolutely will next time 
time. That's it. That's it. And I think we've got one more event really after Mitka before we finally close the, the 2022 event season. Yeah, and that's going back to the NEC for the Classic Motor Show from the 11th to the 13th of November. Uh, we always enjoy a, a stand there, a display there rather, and we're in the Premium Hall again. Uh, this year, uh, I won't, well, I will give the game away that, you know, we've <laughs> said this year we would be really celebrating the 50th anniversary of the Alphasud in the UK. So that is the core theme. But we'll also have a couple of other treats of cars that were made at Pimigliano, including a number of boxer engine models. And of course, it's an excuse to feature a new Tonali for members to see as well, although that's perhaps a future classic one day. It's always um, a really fantastic show, the classic at the NEC. And tickets are on sale already for that. And there's... um an AROC discount code. That's right. Yeah, you can get that from the member forum and it's going to be in the October magazine as well. So don't miss that one. Uh, and if yeah, you want to go tr- for more than one day, there's probably still hotels available as near as Edinburgh or Cardiff. <laughs> Definitely. There's some there's some around the corner, we know that. So <laughs> even. But yeah, it's it's always a lovely end of season event. I, I enjoy seeing people who, who flock to it. Our pals often come over from Ireland and take a, a cheap flight down from Scotland at that time of the year for example it's great to see people and have a chat and again uh, all the cars there are going to be uh, Alfa Romeo owners club owners vehicles so the invitations have gone out just today believe it or not and we're going to have a super variety from the earliest to the latest can't wait for it brilliant so that'll round off the event season there's a couple of other things we wanted to talk about one of them which we're we're not quite ready for people to use yet but we're we're getting ready to relaunch which is the part service David yeah well as people will remember the it, the part service has been on hold for quite some time now for a number of reasons, really. One is we had issues around the storage, but the main reason really was trying to get the business model to work. Because again, it, it's, it's another one of these things that because we're a not-for-profit, we're not in business to make money. We're in business to deliver benefits to members. And one of the problems with the part service was we've got all of these parts. And if we just sell them to anybody and everybody, that's not really a member benefit, is it? So, so we've restructured it all. We've got the new part service being set up as we speak. Um, all the parts have been uh, repatriated into one place. There's over 3,700 individual parts. There's quite a lot. We've gone through and itemized them all. They've all got a unique barcode, if you will. They're all on shelves and in and in picking boxes and so on. We're updating the, the website and we'll be good to go live in two to three weeks. There's a, there's a few things that are slightly different. So we, we've sort of, we've really sort of honed in on this being a member benefit. So, uh, you know, we, we want to provide the service. It's a, it's a part service, not a part shop. So we want to provide the service to members. So when they need parts to maintain their alphas, to keep their alphas on the road, that's when we'll be there for them. The other really key thing is that, again, we're not a retailer of parts. We're sort of curating the parts. We're trying to ensure that we keep these parts in a, a maintainable state so that as and when a member needs it, which could be next week, but it could be in 10 years, the part is there for them to maintain their alpha. So yeah, I think it's, we're changing the model quite a bit actually, but fundamentally it'll be for our members when they need a part, hopefully we'll have it for them. And, you know, we're not in it to make money. We're absolutely in this for the long term. It's about curation of those parts and providing a service to all of our members for future generations. Obviously over time we'll acquire more parts, but I think we're going to try and be a bit more selective because I think, you know, I don't necessarily want us to go out and buy, you know, a, a bunch of parts that are readily available at, at shop for parts or alpha shop or 
other partners. You need to sort of tailor it a bit to those parts which are harder to get hold of, harder to come by, more rare. Uh, and so that it, in essence, it will it will provide that sort of assurance to our members in the long term, rather than, you know, just trying to pump out parts and and make a, a quick quid that's that's not what we're in it for so yeah in the coming weeks uh, so where are we now we're we're recording this around the end of september certainly by the end of october when the october magazine drops and lands through your letterbox the parts service should be up and running and we'd love people to check out what we've got if you need anything and we can help fabulous uh, if you don't no worries we'll be there in a few years when you do need something yeah I, we've been really keen to get this back on track as a member service so we are very close and almost there but yeah by the time the october magazine lands the new part service should be up and running brilliant thanks for that david i think the other thing we wanted to talk to it's it's hard to believe but it's almost exactly two years uh, since we lost john dooley and i think it's really important that the club continues to to remember John and the the debt that the club owes to to everything he did from you know pretty much from day one until a couple of years ago. So a couple of things that have happened in the the last couple of weeks. We had our second annual John Dooley Memorial Race in the virtual racing in the Arup Racing Leagues, all based around cars that John drove. So uh, GTV six and Alpha seventy fives in Napolina and John West liveries. Uh, we even managed to repaint bits of the Snetterton track. So the Bentley straight became the, the Dooley straight for the day. And then we, you know, we, we did lots of testing to try and get the GTV six and the 75 performance to be about the same and couldn't quite get there. Mm. So we put our pro drivers in the slower 75 and put the AMs in the, the GTV six to give, give those guys a bit of an advantage, which I was very grateful for. <laughs> I, I won race one and had a, a cracking race with Jack Hodson from the Kennedy Sussex section in race two. He, he just managed to stop me winning both rounds, but a really enjoyable evening and really nice to to see those liveries that a lot of us grew up watching racing for real, um, racing in the virtual world. And because I set it all up, I got first choice of car. So it was particularly nice to win it in John's iconic Napolina livery. And if people want to see that, that's still available on YouTube. We've, we've, we've edited that down a little bit if, if people want to look at it. And then probably the more serious and significant event that John and I were at uh, actually, yesterday, in, in terms of when we recorded this, James Dooley and uh, John's partner Meg organised a, a memorial kind of get together, really, wasn't it? Yeah. To remember John, uh, which was a, a fantastic event. Again, people there from from every era of of the club, right back to the beginning. James gave some some really uh, emotional words uh, as his part of the presentation, and then we had uh, Bob Dove, who was. Uh, his race engineer during the Alfa Romeo dealer team, uh, Jeff Gordon, who runs the the Julieta TI at the um, at the Goodwood Revival, and and worked closely with John to to make sure that that car was was right for the period and uh, and tapped into all of John's expertise. And Nick Atkins, who I think shared a Julieta. Julietta. Yeah, she had a Julietta with John. And of course, another ex-AROC chairman who took on the role twice, thanks to John, Ed McDonough. And then some fantastic group photos of everybody around the Napolina Alpha Sud that Chris Whelan had brought up. Flanked by a 1900C Super Sprint Zagato, a Julia Spider, a Julietta Bellina, and a Duetto Spider. 
Uh, just a, a fabulous day. Yeah, it really was. And seeing so many people there, it, it was a great get together because a lot of people like that don't get that chance to get together. But we were all there, you know, sharing memories, lots of smiles as well, I must say, and and fascinating conversations as well throughout the day. But it was it was quite an emotional thing, helped by the fact that uh, John's brother James, who was uh, hosting it, is the absolute spit of him and has similar mannerisms. So it was it was really quite unusual from that perspective, but but really warm at the same time. And you know, it was it, I really really enjoyed it throughout. Yeah. and um, and it absolutely was a celebration of his life. It was a celebration. You know, yeah. Lots of funny yeah. stories about John and. Yeah, you know, I knew him latterly. Haven't known him for long, but you know the stories from people who've known him for decades all rung true. What was that one that somebody somebody uh, discussed about him when he'd entered the Monte Carlo rally and the driver behind him complained that his brake lights weren't working, and he said, "No, I didn't use the brakes. <laughs> they only slow <laughs> you down." But again, I mean that, that was a good example. I think three people had a part of their story was. <laughs> He couldn't keep up with him because I couldn't see his, you know, his, his brake lights, which lights. was because he wasn't braking. <laughs> yeah. And then the other brake one was where he was literally racing to get to uh, scrutineering at an event in his Fiat Panda, and uh, he managed to uh, it managed to throw a brake pad at the back. So he came into a corner, and the car rolled. And two ladies were stood at the side of the road and saw him stagger out of the passenger window and then get to get to his uh, get to his feet just about looking rather shaken and they asked him are you all right he says yes i will be and they all they all came over and said look can you help me to get it back on its wheels and they literally picked the thing up got it on its way again absolutely incredible and, story and again one of two stories did the same thing rolled a i think it was a fiat uno in milton Keynes. yeah got yeah. got out picked up the windscreen threw the windscreen in the in the back of the car and then drove off carried on yeah <laughs> but he was yeah, a tremendous driver i must say these these are unusual unusual <laughs> events yeah. but yeah no, really really good event i think that's probably all we've got time for uh, for this episode so uh, thank you all for for coming together and let's try not to leave it another three months before we do another roundtable yeah great thanks, thanks everyone thank thanks you. a lot everyone see you soon James had asked me to perhaps say a few words at John's memorial, but in that company I felt a bit of a fraud. I'd known John for a couple of years and the others had known him for decades. But as I knew him through the magazine and as an early guest on and supporter of this podcast, I thought I'd share my thoughts here. I'd watched a bit of motor racing on TV since the mid-70s, but my first ever in-person motor race was the 1982 British Grand Prix meeting at Brands Hatch, age 16. Other people tell me that Derek Warwick running at the front of the race on half tanks was unforgettable. But what I remember is a mini Metro barrel rolling in front of me and showering me with broken glass and John Dooley winning Class B in his GTV6. It was over four years later that I got my first car, an Alpha Sud Sprint Veloce. And as I got more and more interested in the Alpha Sud, in Alfa Romeo in general and in the owners club, John's name was never far away. But it wasn't until 2018 when I took over the club magazine that I got to know him. I received a phone call out of the blue to find out what I had in mind for the magazine, to make sure it was in good hands. He wasn't proprietorial about it. It wasn't about being in control. It was about making sure that the magazine evolved and continued to deliver articles of interest to an increasingly diverse membership. It was the first of many phone calls. He would phone me during meetings with clients while I was at my day job and I would always apologise and explain to the client 
but I had to take the call. I wanted to take the call. He became, in a very short space of time, a mentor. As the first lockdown hit, he was hugely supportive of the initiatives we had in place to keep members involved, particularly the podcast on which he appeared, and the virtual racing. He even researched the spec required for a gaming PC before deciding that he'd leave it to the youngsters like me. I was 54 at the time. I contacted him, having been let down by a contributor who'd offered to write a short history of the Alphasud factory near Naples. We had a couple of calls, exchanged emails for a week or two, before he finally agreed that he'd be willing to write the piece himself, but that it would be meaningless without context, so he'd have to write the history of the Portello and Arezzi factories first. We worked closely on those articles, which grew in scope as he meticulously planned and researched them. We talked about the cars, of course, and the people behind them, and about economics and labour relations and politics. Sadly, he was unable to complete the second part of the Pomigliano article, and I was faced with the daunting task of putting together a fitting tribute to a legend. I needn't have worried. All I had to do was to ask his many friends to tell the story of his impact on their lives and on our club. I've just finished my 27th issue of the magazine and have started working on my 28th, but the October 2020 issue, Volume 54, Issue 5, of the magazine he took over and edited from Volume 2 to Volume 13, will always be the one of which I'm most proud. Bill Smith, who worked with him closely in the creation of the club's online archive, described him as a legend, a mentor and a friend, and I can't think of a better summary. That's all for this week. We'll be back in three weeks' time on Sunday the 23rd of October when we'll be talking to Ian Willis from the club's long-term insurance partners, Chris Knott. Episode 66 will be available to download from 1.30pm from Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube and everywhere else good podcasts are found. Until then, stay safe. 